Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. What's the international, what's the global symbol of love? Like, if you could put a logo on love, what would it be? A heart, a heart, right? So it's the heart. Now, uh, a heart symbol, we know if you see that, it means that I love you. I love something. And even though that's really not uh, the, the, what the, our heart looks like physically, um, it represents our heart, the seat of our emotion. It, it represents the, the seat of our soul, so to speak. You know, you hear uh, statements like, with all my heart and soul. And so heart is something that is, um, you know, even though we do have a physical heart, when we say heart, it's really something that is unseen. It's emotion, it's action, it's all of that together. And the scripture has a lot to say about uh, our heart. The scripture says that the heart can be deceitful. It does. It talks about our heart is very deceitful and that we, our emotions, how many of you know that? Like your emotions can deceive you. I've learned to not make business decisions based on emotion. Like we were making some business decision uh, this week for the church and some of the people uh, that I was connected with, I said, uh, "Hey, you're like you're 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 not going to be bothered if we uh, right. You're not going to be bothered if we don't if this doesn't work out or this we have to pass on this opportunity because we don't make." business decisions based on emotions because sometimes our emotions will be wrong and you can be connected to something emotionally that's really not in God's best interest for you. So it's like you step back and you say, God, is my heart in the right place? God, is this really what you want for me? Because there are times that our emotions will lead us down the wrong path. The, the, the scripture uh, says that we're supposed to hide the word of God in our heart. Why? Because as we talked all last uh, year in 2021, our declaration was, I will constantly guard my heart for everything I do flows out of my heart. That's why it's important to fill your, wor- your heart with the word so that when you go to your heart, you're not going on your emotions, but you're lining it up with the word of God. But look, look at this scripture. Luke 12, 34 says, for where your heart, your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. The Greek word there, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but the Greek word there uh, for treasure, uh, I think the Greek word is something like theros. But take my word for it. I studied the, the Greek word there means a treasury, like uh, it doesn't mean an object. It means like a storehouse, a place where you keep your valuables, a safe, a bank, a depository. So the scripture says where your storehouse is, where your treasury is, where 
the place where you store the most valuable things, that's where our hearts are going to be. And when it's talking about your treasure, it's talking about things that have a monetary value. You know, uh, today I'm going to talk to you about giving. And it's like, wow, you're going to talk to us about giving on the day before Valentine's Day. What a weird Valentine's message. Well, I don't know that I've ever preached a Valentine's message in my entire life, unless you want to talk about the love of God is the real Valentine, and then every message is about that, you know? So when we talk about love, I want, I want you to uh, notice a couple of things. So um, make sure that I'm clicked on pro presenter. All right. So uh, the next slide, just go ahead and put it up for me. All right. So I want you to look at this uh, quote and I didn't put this uh, person. You know, it's not important who said it. Uh, it's on the internet. You find it attributed to multiple people. So I'm like, well, if y'all can't get your act together, I'm just going to give the quote and y'all figure out who it's from. But it says you can give without loving. So I can give something to somebody and not love them. I don't love the IRS, but I give them my tax money. (laughs) But you cannot love without giving. Like I cannot, it's impossible to love without giving. I mean, if you look at this whole thing that, that started the relationship back with God through Jesus Christ and man, for God so loved the world that he gave. Giving um, evokes a response, or, or sorry, loving evokes a response of giving. Like when you love somebody, when you love something, when you love, you want to give. Now, it may be in different ways that you give, you might give your time. You might give your, your, your quality time is important to my wife. Gifts are important. Like she got all those love languages. You know, the five love languages, she got all five of them. But you might give love in particular ways, but giving is truly something born out of love, of a heart of love. And so I want you to look at this. So the mark of a maturing believer is one's progression from consumer to contributor. So when we say we love Jesus, like I I love the Lord, do you? Like, because we talked last week, the scripture says, but God demonstrated, he showed He proved there was visible evidence. There was action to show his love. When you and I say we love Jesus, there's evidence that people are going to know that we are his followers. Last week we talked about, he said, you know, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another, how you love each other, how you treat each other, they'll know you're my disciples. That's, that's, listen, that's not just one of these things where it's like, well, you know, these disciples love and those people love and this, you know, love. No, he's like, no, it's a different kind of love. 
It's a different kind of love. The way that you love others should be different than the way the world loves. The way that, you know, different people have different values to love should be different the way that we show love. Like our love should be the best kind of love. Like the world's love, if you measure it by the world's love, the world's love will, will give you all these different weird ways of loving, perverted ways of loving. You begin to go like, okay, then I can love this way. But is that what God's word says love is? Well, I can love them if I want to this way. But is that what God's word says? Because Jesus said they'll know you by your love for one another, but your love has to come. Remember last week that 1 Corinthians 13 list? It has to come from that, that standard. And so, listen, it doesn't matter how much, like we had an incredible time of worship in this uh, place earlier. We're worshiping right now in the word. But that musical worship is different than this kind of worship. But it doesn't matter. You can be the most extravagant worshiper. You can lay out on the floor. You can jump and, and be all excited. And, and that's great. But does that prove that you love the Lord? Maybe. Not necessarily. You might know tons of scripture and be very, very thorough in the word. Does that prove that you love the Lord? Maybe, not sure. You know, you might be a brand new Christian and you'd be so exuberant. And it's like, I, I've seen those guys and I'm like, dude, I wish I had some of that zeal. Like, I remember when I was that young and I remember when I had that zeal. And I remember, it's like, but there is a continuum of our journey of love as we mature in the Lord and the mark of a maturing believer. And we're all maturing throughout our entire journey. The mark of a maturing believer is moving from a consumer and all of us are consumers at one point. And even now we are consumers, but it's okay to be a consumer, but you are never gonna just stay a consumer. You're never just going to be a taker. Like we all come to Jesus broken and undone and in need of salvation and we, we receive his grace. Many times we need to receive healing. I've had people to come to Destiny Church and, you know, they've come in and, and they're like, you know, I just came out of a bad situation, Pastor. I, Erica, you did. If I could just use you since I already did. But you came to us and you're like, Pastor Rife, I'm coming out of a broken situation and I need to just sit and I need to heal. And I remember you had come in that back door and you had sit right th back there on the back row or the second to the, to the, to the back row. And I don't even remember how many uh, months uh, you, you just sat there and you, you didn't get involved. And am I lying or am I telling the truth? We never, we never pressured you. We never said, you know, hey, we'd love for you to join the worship team. Hey, we'd love for you to serve in kids ministry. Hey, we'd love for you to do this. We, we didn't because you set it up for us and you said, I just need to sit and rest and get whole again. 
you know, not necessarily due to things that you did to yourself, but things in life, just life happened. And you came and you sat and you were there. And during that time, you were primarily a consumer of this house. You are a consumer of the grace of God. You are a consumer of our children's ministries. I just, we're just being real, right? You are a consumer of our children's ministries. Like you didn't serve back there. You, you received because you sent your son back there. And you're like, take care, take care of that boy. I'm a single mama. I'm trying to get my life, you know, uh, get my house, get all this stuff. Take that boy. So you're consuming. But somewhere, and I've seen people come in and they've been like you, but they never get out of the consumer mindset. And before long, it's like, listen, rigor mortis begins to, st- to step in, you know, rigor mortis. And then life begins. I know this is hard. I know this is hard, but I ain't your friend. You know, I'm not your friend. I, I, I will be your friend. But, you know, this, my role is not, this, this is not friend here. This is just, you know, prophet. And this is, this is apostle. And this is just the, the evangelist. This is, you know, this is five-fold ministry stuff right here. But I've seen people come in and they're hurt and they're wounded and they have so much reason to just sit. And before you know it, seven years has gone by and they're still sitting and then life begins to happen. And listen, you think you begin, you're, you're beginning to live, but you're not uh, living because all of that stuff is going to come to an end at some point. Your life is just a vapor, the scripture says. Just, boom, it's over. I'm fixing to be 54 years old next month. And I'm telling you, how did that happen so fast? Erica, you and I were videotaping for the thing coming up, the soaking um, encounter. We were videotaping, and I'm like, I'm looking at the, you know, as I'm doing the editing on the video thing, I'm looking at it, I'm like, dog, I got pawpaw hair. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, it's not that white. But when you get under certain lights, it's white. I'm like, how did I get pawpaw hair? So fast. Life goes fast, guys. It goes fast. Some of y'all out there with black hair, you know. Mm-hmm. But you got to get to this place where you're not just caught in the consumer because you got to get to this place where you begin to contribute. And uh, slowly you came out of that and you begin to contribute in, in lots of different ways. You contributed financially to this house. You contributed, uh, you serve in the children's ministry when you just started to receive. During worship, you would be back there, man, and you would just be worshiping, but you're consuming. And you're giving worship to God, you know, but you're not necessarily giving worship by serving in this house. And then there came a time that you served up here on this team with us for a season. And so like you moved from that because that's the mark of a mature believer. And so when we talk about this today, I want you to look at, look at this scripture, all right? Second Corinthians, and I, I'm, I've got it on the screen, but I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to it because you need to be able to make some notes in your Bibles, Okay. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, 7, and 8, Jesus is talking here. And he says this. He says, remember this. So he's, he, this is not a parable. This is actual agrarian type culture. If you grew up in, in near the farmland or the country, he's just pointing out, listen, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. All right, stop. In other versions of the Bible, it says it like this. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows generously reaps generously. So there's this law, this spiritual principle of reciprocity. Remember reciprocals in math? I, I was never good in math, but I remember reciprocals. But their law of reciprocity is like a boomerang. Like, woo, 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 woo. it's out there. I just sowed. Woo, 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 woo. It comes back to me. The principle of reciprocity. When I sow, but if I sow a little bit, if I sow sparingly, I'm going to reap sparingly. It's talking about Guys, an attitude of the heart. If I sow with the sparing heart, it doesn't mean that if you give a little money, it's not talking about that. You won't, you'll only get a little money back. It's not talking about that. It's talking about our heart posture. Like if you sow with a sparing heart, like you're not going to receive a lot back. But when you sow with a generous heart, you're going to get a lot back. Verse 7 says, each of you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I want to just stay there for just a second. Because you, you don't really know what that means until you finish reading through this, that, that verse will not truly make sense. You'll draw some wrong conclusions if you don't read it in context and read, read on down there. But the scripture says, don't, uh, after you decide in heart, your heart how much to give, don't give reluctantly. Again, a heart posture. Man, I, I don't know if I want to give this. Man, I, you know. I, it says, don't give um, when you're really being put under duress. Don't give just because you're being put under pressure. All right? Now, hang on a second. Because most of the time, that is like the guy up front is putting pressure on you to give. And we receive that and say, don't, don't give just because that guy's making you feel bad. And don't get me wrong, I have seen when the guys up front make you feel bad. I've, I've seen, uh, Shay and I, we were some poor college students, and we were, and I respect this man of God. He's gone to be with Jesus now. But he said, and, and I'm like, you just missed that. I don't know how, I, I don't know how. He said, the Lord told me that every person in this room is supposed to give $50 tonight. 
I'm looking at Shay. I'm looking at my buddy JC and his wife Melinda. We didn't have $50 between the four of us. I'm like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he heard God or if he was just, you know, trying to get people to give. But we gave what we had that night. And I'm like, I don't know, Lord, you're going to have to talk to him about what he said you said. All I know is this is what I got. I got $5 in my pocket, so I'm giving $5, you know, and that's all I had. But the scripture really is saying, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure and think about it differently. Don't think about it. The guy up front is pressuring. It's saying, let your heart posture be one of such generosity that the guy up front does not have to pressure you to give. Now, that makes sense in my head. Does it make sense coming out of my mouth? Because most of the time we're like, well, yeah, I ain't giving if he up there pressuring me. But, but, but the question really should be, why is he pressuring why, why is she saying, like, man, we, we got to have more than this? You know? And I'm like, no, because we give, because we give out of a response of love. And I want you to look at this. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Why am I talking about giving today? That's why, right there. God loves a person who gives cheerfully he loves a person who is a cheerful giver and look at verse 8 it says and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others that's the heart of God You know, when we talk about the prosperity gospel, you'll see different Netflix and different shows talk about people that preach the prosperity gospel. Well, they preach a perverted version of the prosperity gospel because we all should preach a prosperous gospel. Prosperous looks different. Prosperity for me might look different than prosperity for you. But God wants every single one of his children to be prosperous and have more than we need. Because he wants us to be a blessing. Am I created in his image? He is a blessing. If he's a blessing, then I am a, you are a blessing. And so you can't be a blessing if you don't have anything to give. And so the Lord says right there at the very top, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a few crops, you know, uh, he'll sow, he who sows generously. But there's also the scriptures that, that says God gives seed to the sower. So the farmer, where does his seed come from? It's coming from the Lord. The Lord will give you seed. When you have a generous heart, God will put seed in your heart. He'll put seed in your hands. He'll put seed in your bank account. He'll put seed in your business because it's his desire for us to be prosperous and to be a blessing. But I want us to look at this scripture right here, this part of the scripture. For God loves a cheerful giver. 
God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So let's look at that, just that one particular phrase out of the scripture. So when you look at that, God loves, like when we look at this, we need to break some of these words down and talk about them for just a second. So let's look at loves real quick. So God loves, and that does not mean that God really, really, really likes it. It, it, it doesn't mean that God gets all tingly when we start talking about this. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that God loves. It's, it's a version, a form of the word agape, that divine love. The um, agapeo, which means to embrace and hold dearly. I want you to think about this. When the Lord recognizes a giver, all right? We're going to talk about that one in a minute. But when the Lord recognizes a giver, what happens is he sees himself in us. And so he agapeos us. He he runs to us and he loves us. He embraces us and holds us dearly. Have you ever thought about this? Like when you give a gift to a complete stranger. Now I'm not talking about I'm talking about people who are in need. I don't know if you've ever been doing kind of ministry like that, whether it's inner city missions, third world missions, wherever, or maybe somebody in your, in your work or in your neighborhood that you knew they had a need and, you, and it could be something as you just go over and cut their yard. And man, they come out of the house. I remember I cut the yard for this little elderly woman one time and she came out and she looked at it And she's like, can I give you a hug? What is she doing? She's agapeoing me. She's embracing. When you give something to somebody, it evokes a response. We, We just think of that as, well, people just, they just being nice. No, it's a God response. It's a divine response in us that when God sees a giver, he embraces us. And he's like, oh my God, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because he sees in us part of himself, part of his divine essence in us. When we do something good, God wants the world to see Jesus in me. So I will be a reflection of his glory. When we do things, when we give whatever that giving looks like, it evokes a response and people just want to hug you. What are they doing? Many times, if they're a Christian, they may know this, but if they're not a Christian, I'm telling you what, we've done some inner city ministries. I'm like, I don't even know the people if they're spiritually sound, saved or whatever. Like, but we love them and they, they're like, can I hug you? Can I hug you? I'm like, sure, come on, bring it in. They are endearing us to them because part of God's essence flowed out of us and into them. So for God loves, what else does the cheerful is important in this? The, the word cheerful there, it comes from a Greek word called hilaros, hilarious. We kind of get our word there, hilarious from hilaros. But God agapeo, 
a hilaros giver. Hilaros means cheerful, joyful, but here's another part of the definition of it that you get from uh, the, the Greek context. It means willing to do anything. God loves a willing to do anything giver. God loves a giver who's willing to give anything, do anything. Hey, man, uh, I, I, need, uh, I need some guys to go over here and help me move this little lady. You know, I'm in. Count me in. You know, Hey, man, I need somebody. You know, I need $1,500. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you some things that I've done, you know, some this, this year. Hey, man, I need $1,500. I need to help somebody out. Anybody in? I'm telling you what, man, my band of brothers, it's like, absolutely. You know what? I'm going to brag on y'all destiny. Some of y'all didn't even give, and I'm bragging because you didn't have to. I had some of my brothers come and say, hey, man, I want to give to that need. I want to see that we got enough. Like, yep, we don't need your money. Like, give it next time. Give it to the next need. Because those are people who are the hilaros givers. They're willing. They stand at attention. They're willing. And, you know, I'm I'm just telling you, like, um, there's a need that God's bringing to this house. We're going to help buy a van. Uh, We're just kind of waiting around for them on their end, all right, to get their end together. But uh, a while back, we had... uh, Madison Street worship came. And during Madison Street, uh, if you were here, um, they started talking about they, they were, they were going to buy a van. And um, yeah, just bear with me, all right, as I'm processing through this. So I'm, I'm listening. I'm down there listening and just hearing their testimony. And, you know, um, well, they're, they're talking from their sphere of experience. They ain't got no money. <laughs> These are young folks, man. They're starting life out. They're just getting their first house, or they hadn't even got their first. You know, they're starting. And it's like, man, everything's so big. The world's big. And they're like, you know, and I, I, I'm just, as, as they're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they got their the, the, the sights are too low. And I'm seeing in them who I used to be. And at some times, I still am that person. But now, now my $5,000, you know, $5,000 was big for me. <clears throat> and $50,000, yeah, that doesn't scare me as much. But y'all remember Rochelle Temp? Y'all remember back in the day when we were starting Destiny? Man, you say $50,000. I'm like, good God, y'all might as well just, I don't know how we're going to come up with that. I, I, that doesn't scare me anymore. Like, you know, I've moved on to like now the things that might, like, ooh, five million. Like, that, that's big. That's three million. You know, those, those are big, you know, numbers. But as you progress in your maturity in the Lord, and he comes through. So anyway, back to that, I'm like, oh, man. And I said, you know, so 
right there in the service, we were just like, so what are y'all, what are you thinking? Like, what have you got? And they're like, we got, you know, we got this van that I think they said it was somewhere around five, $6,000. Oh, that's a piece of junk. I'm just telling you, you ain't going to buy no van for five or $6,000. You are not going to do it. If you do, it is going to be something that you are not going to take this group on the road all over the United States. You're not. And I said, you're thinking too small. You need to go find a, a better van, and we're going to help you buy that van. And anyway, we were talking later about it, and I, he asked me, he said, so what are you thinking? I said, I don't know. Go see what you can get between twenty-five and 30000 because uh, I know a guy in Atlanta that just bought some uh, vans for their church. Like these are, these are like large cargo-ish type vans. And um, I said, go see what you can get for something in that price range. And uh, so anyway, they've been out looking between the time they were here in the summer and now. And so it's getting close. They're, 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 they're looking at some. They think they have that. And I guess the, the reason I'm telling you all of this is because it's like they needed their faith to, to be pushed to a higher level. They needed to understand that there were people in the body of Christ that will come along behind you and help propel you to a higher level in your relationship. We're older. We've seen God do some of these amazing things. You're younger, and, you know, and, and it's not that you don't believe that God can do it, but we've just been, lived more life than you. We've got more experience than you. And so we can say, hey, we don't think he'll do it. We know he'll do it. You've you been to those places where it's like, man, God, please, come on, man, God, I hope you do it. I pray you do it, you know, and it's like you get to a, to a place of like, hey, I, I used to be there, but my faith has increased and I don't, I'm not there. You know, I'm, I'm to the place now where it's like when I go and ask God for this, I'm like, I know God's going to do this. I don't know how he's going to do it. And it might be a little bumpy and even scary at times while, while I'm watching him work it out, but he's going to do it. But we, we are cheerful givers willing to do anything. And that night when I shared that we're going to do this, man, I'm like, the church was like, yeah, let's get behind this and let's do it. Because sowing into that investment. And so if I could just take a, a, a few more minutes here to just say that Harley, he was one of our former uh, worship leaders. Uh, he sort of, we mentored and raised him up. And some prophetic words that were given over him um, during his time with us. And I remember there was a prophetic word that said, you will sing to nations and you will sing to tens of thousands of people. And so I'm like, well, I know you've already sung to, to nations because I went to Africa with him and he sung over there. And there's going to be more of that. But this past week, Harley was leading, or, or sorry, I think it was about a week ago, Harley was leading worship at this massive youth event. I used, when I was a youth pastor, I used to take my youth groups there all the time to Gatlinburg. And there are thousands of kids in that arena. I don't know how many it seats, seven, you know, five, 7,000, something like that, but there's 12,000. Okay. She, my fact checker. get you a job at Facebook. <laughs> um, 12,000. 
12,000, okay? So he's, he's, he's leading worship with his team, 12,000. And so um, he and I are texting back and forth this week, and I said, hey, I just want to remind you of some prophetic words that God spoke over you. You'll, speak to, you'll sing to nations, check. You'll sing to tens of thousands, I, and I didn't know that it was, but that's, that's over 10,000. So it's at least one 10,000. Check. And there will be more. And so when we invest into that, it's like you're investing into the kingdom. So when we are a part of this financially, we are part of that return that is going to, to come. And we can inspe- expect a return on our investment. All right, and so let's look at this last one. He loves a cheerful giver. And when he's talking about giver here, uh, the, the uh, dotes, a contributor or a benefactor of monetary or material blessing. Because what'll happen is people who are looking You know, it goes back to that love of money. People who are looking, like when they love money more than God, they love stuff more than God, they will look at other ways that I can give that are not monetary. But when the scripture is saying, for God loves a cheerful giver, God embraces, pulls close endearingly, a willing to do anything financial contributor. That's what that scripture means. If you don't look at those words in the Greek, you, you won't understand the fullness of that. So is what kind of giver is God talking about? He's talking about he absolutely loves when there is evidence in a material financial way that is invested into the kingdom. You can't get away from that. You can't preach another sermon to water that down. When it comes down to it, God is speaking in a financial, material way. All right? So let me just share this with you. There are six reasons why God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. I'm just going to zip through these. All right, God loves a cheerful cheerful giver. Six reasons why he does this. Number one is because it reveals who or what we worship. Remember the scripture there? Uh, It reveals who or what we worship. The scripture in Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says that no man can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Like you cannot do that. Like when we are consumers, money is important to us. When we are contributors, money for ourselves is not important. You know what happens? Money for yourself no longer is important. Money for others is important. As I I started, uh, when I was talking about the van and Madison Street worship and all of that, I I was going somewhere and then forgot it. Um, When I was driving down the street, I remember where I was. I'm driving down the street and Harley's texting me all of these statistics on this van, how how big it is, how much it costs, you know, uh, what it was used for and etc. Sending me pictures and I'm looking at it and I'm playing a scenario out in my head. I'm like, 
I want to get to the place, and I want you to believe this with me. I want to get to the place where I am the kind of person that says, money's no object. Like money's not important. The money, how much it costs isn't important. Because he's texting me and he's saying, this, this van, uh, they're asking $30,000, but he said the 2019, which is 2022 now, it's a 2015 van. He's saying a 2019 is going for, I think he said something like $68,000 in that particular van. I don't know what 2022s would be going for, but you see, but, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I would, it would be so cool if you just call this auto dealership that deals with this stuff and says, Hey, I just want you, I, I'm, I'm just daydreaming while I'm driving down uh, the crazy diamond over here at that chaos of a interstate thing over there. And I'm just daydreaming. And, I, and I'm like, I wonder what it'd be. It would be so cool if somebody just from a dealership shows up at their house. And they say, hey, I want y'all to come take a van. This guy sent me, this church sent me over here to say, come take a ride in this van and see do you like it. You know, yeah, I like it or no, this isn't going to work for us. You know, well, how much does it cost? They said, that's not important. That's not important. Like, I, love, I really want to get to that place where it's like, we don't ask questions. Like, don't get me wrong. There's stewardship. Yeah. You know, there's stewardship. You're not just stupid with the Lord's money. Hilaros doesn't mean stupid. <laughs> no, you, you are a good steward. You're not going to be wasteful. But it's like, it reveals who we worship. When we give, it reveals, do we worship our money? Do we worship what we have? Or do we worship him? Is he the center of our affection? Is, is the kingdom the center? The second thing is, it shows we care about what God cares about. When we are hilarious givers, when we love to give, then it shows that we value what God values. And he loves that about us. Verse, uh, or sorry, not verse three, the third one is, he, it shows that we care about the house of God. All right, you know this scripture, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is this house. It's not Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. The storehouse is this house. It's not Kenneth Copeland Ministries. The storehouse is this house. It's not T.D. Jakes. The storehouse is this house. It's not Elevation Church. The storehouse is this house. If you worship at this house, if you are a consumer of the spiritual goods, so to speak, then bring the tithe of God into this house. So there will, why, why, why? So there will be enough food in my temple. You know what food is in today? Food is vans. Food is transmissions. Food is, you know, the, uh, uh, while I'm just getting it out of my system, let me just get it out of my system. Dr. Martin uh, contacted me. Uh, he's uh, another one of our missionaries right down there in Honduras. And he says, man, Samaritan's Purse has come along. Uh, uh, that we, we have so many people coming and they, they're going to send doctors and all of this, but we have to have places for them to live. So we're building these units and each unit costs $50,000. And we would love, I, lo I love the fact that they're asking us this. 
You know, they're, they're like, and Pastor Rife, we would love to uh, have a destiny uh, house. And what he's saying, Pastor Rife, we'd love to have $50,000 from you so we can build this house and we gonna, we're going to put destiny's name on it. And he's like, because he knows how I feel about that stuff. He's like, I know that's not important to you, but we're doing it just for uh, geographical purposes so that we can say, hey, y'all are staying in destiny house and you guys are staying in three circle house and you guys are staying in, you know, whatever, whatever house. You see what I'm saying? And, uh, and so it's like, it shows that we care about the house of God. And so when we bring these gifts to the storehouse of God, it means that, man, we, we have it there to dispense at a moment's notice. That is the biblical heart of giving, all right? Let me go through, uh, I think I got three more of these. It shows that we're maturing in the faith. I've already shared that with you. When you are a cheerful giver, a willing-to-do-anything giver, you're, a mature, you're maturing in the faith, you move from being a constant consumer of the house to now I am a contributor of the house. We all consume. You cons- I consume of this house, but I also contribute. For, uh, uh, number five, it shows that we trust God. When we're a cheer- cheerful giver, that verse of scripture that I read to you uh, earlier where God loves a cheerful giver, at the very end, verse 8, it says, and God is the one who is going to make sure you have what you need, not only have what you need, but more than what you need because he wants you to be a blessing. All right? And the last one, six, is it gives God an opportunity to give. When we give, God is getting ready to give to you. Matthew 6, 33 says, um, you know, given it'll be given, or actually that's uh, Luke. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. When you give, God begins to give. When you give, it gives God an opportunity. It sets him up as an opportunist. You know, he's just looking for opportunities. And I'm just telling you, God is not, the kind of God that goes, well, Rife, you've already talked in this one message uh, at least 20 to 25. Really, it's a $30,000 van, but they have about 8,500. So, you know, 20 to 25,000. Now, now you tack in 50. So we're up to 75. Did I talk about something else? Oh, the transmission that we're buying today. I don't know. That's only going to be a few thousand dollars. So, Pastor Rife, in one message, you managed to, how clever is that guy? He just snuck it right in there. No, I'm just telling you, God, God does not want us to give and, and go like, hey, we're going to suffer for this. No, God wants us to give because he's setting us up for an opportunity to give. You know, and, it, and that's the beautiful thing about this. And so Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. I read that to you. But look, here's the opportunistic part on God. He said, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I'm like, well, Jesus, we are. We're going to put you to the test, and we know that you will come through for us. 
So I'm just going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your heart today in worship and the word. I want to ask you today, how can you take this word and not let it die, but do something with it? Take a step towards tithing. Begin to give consistently. Take a step towards tithing. Begin to give consistently. Pastor Rife, now, just bear with me, Pastor Rife. Like, you know, when, when we start making more money, we're, we're going to give. You won't. You won't. Give when you don't have to give. Be faithful when you don't have much. How can I say that? Because it's right here. It says, he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. He who is not faithful with the little bit that somebody has will not be faithful when they get more. The amount doesn't matter. Like, take a step. Take a step. Like, it's not the amount that's important. What is it? It's the heart. Jesus, Pastor Rive, why you, you know, I don't even have to feel like I have to ever apologize for preaching on giving. Pastors feel like they have to apologize. You, I don't have to apologize. You don't have to apologize. We don't ever have to apologize for that. Why? Because we are reflections of Jesus. And I remember, I remember in scripture, Jesus is in the temple and he's just sitting over there on the metal stool. <laughs> Not really, but he's just sitting over there watching. And what is he doing? And I, I think if my, some of y'all are, uh, are more up on uh, Hebrew history than me. But if I remember correctly, there are like 13 different offering boxes in uh, the temple. And they were for, you know, this, this offering box is for the widows. This orphan box is for the orphan. This offering box is for the rebuilding of the temple. You know, so they had different offering boxes, just like we have here in, in the sanctuary. And Jesus, he's just sitting in there watching people give their money. That's just kind of trashy and cheap, ain't it? Jesus. He's just looking at people give. It ain't none of your business what people give, Jesus. Well, you take that up with him. Because he's just sitting there watching the people give. And as he's just watching them give, all of a sudden, there's this little lady. I think the Bible says she walked like this. You know, she's this little, little, little lady. She's walking over to the offering box. And she just gets her two little two little mites and she drops it in and Jesus is over here watching and Jesus said boys did y'all see that she gave more than anybody in this church all these people coming in you know <laughs> they're, 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 writing, they're writing their big check out you know with a, with a big cursive right Got it. You know, gonna drop it in. You know, drop the mic, you know. Jesus is looking at all of that stuff and he's going, I tell you the truth, those two little things, those two mites, more than any of those. 
because he's judging the heart of the person. And she gave out of her, out of her little. She gave. And the scripture says that she gave all she had. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I think it means all she had. Like she, she didn't know where the other was coming from. She didn't know like where the rent was coming from. She didn't know where, you know, the, the other, but she depended on the Lord. And I'm telling you what, when you give, God's going to give back. He's going to do that. So take a step towards giving. Begin, talk to the Lord about what tithing is. And I'm just telling you, there's so much teaching that's out there about tithing. It's not of God. You know, in, in this covenant, God doesn't want us, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all of that out there. All I know is when the people ask Jesus, hey, should we still tithe on these spices and everything? Or should we do this? Or we, you know, and Jesus said, listen, you shouldn't do one or the other. You should do them both. In other words, he was saying, tithing is still important. Giving to the house of God is still important. And so do something about it. Do something about it. I'm going to pray, and we're going to go home, and our team is going to be down front to pray with you about any specific needs that you might have and want to pray over. But as I looked at things that God loves, over the next two weeks, uh, when we kind of finalize this in a few weeks, Alan is going to be speaking and bringing the last message in this series. I'll be bringing the message next week. But we're just picking out things that God loves. And I just want to tell you that if you, if you are a giver, God loves you. He loves you. And there is an endearing, like, there's an endearing that a giver has with the Lord that somebody that's not doesn't have that. There's a favor of the Lord on a giver's life that I'm not saying that a non-giver doesn't have favor. I'm just saying that they don't have the favor that comes from giving. There is a giving, there is a favor of the Lord. It's Malachi 3.10. There is a favor of the Lord that is upon a giver. And I'm telling you what, whether you're a teenager, you're just starting a job, you don't have a job. If you can get in your heart and spirit to be a giver for the rest of your life, I'm telling you what, the blessing of the Lord is on your life. There is a blessing of the Lord on your life. So let me pray and let's go home. All right, don't forget, we're gonna be down front. Our team, if y'all wanna come now. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for the beautiful spirit of God in this place during our time of worship. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've drawn us close and that you have unleashed your glory in this house. Holy Spirit, I declare over this house that we will be a house. God, one day, can y'all partner with me in it? One day we're going to be a church that we don't even think about the number because we will have the surplus to do it. Father God, I declare over this house that we will be a house that says money is no object. Money is no object.
I thank you for the opportunities that you're bringing us this year, Lord, to partner with. I thank you for the reflection of God that you're going to allow us to be to the kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that the investment, the return on it that's coming. I, I claim a harvest of souls. I claim a harvest of, um, I, I claim a harvest of material things like properties. Because we've been faithful in how we've stewarded properties we didn't even own. I declare, God, that you are going to place things in our hands that we're going to be able to use for the kingdom. I declare it over this house. I declare over this house that, God, we will be hilarious givers. We will be the willing to do anything givers. And we thank you and we praise you. Lord, mature us to contributors. And God, the consumers that come to us, may we love them and pour into them love and compassion and mentoring and grace and mercy while they're in their time of healing, Lord. And if you're healing today, I just want to tell you that the hand of God is on your life. You are here in a good, safe place to receive the word of the Lord. And so God, minister to the hurting and the broken today, God. And I want to call you forward after this and just say, let our team pray with you. If, you're minist- if, you, if you are in need of ministry because you are hurting or in need, please come let our prayer team minister in prayer to you. Lord, as we leave this house today, I pray that we would have the courage and the good sense to put this word in order and into practice in Jesus' name.